Welcome back to PTV's podcast series, Top Talks. I'm Clay Sanford, here with Tony Blank and a senior advisor uh, with PTV Funds. Uh, Tony's been extremely valuable to our portfolio companies over the years, and uh, we're really honored to have him here today to talk about our topic, which is the consumerization of the FDA. Uh, however, before we jump into that, Tony, if you'd like to take a few minutes and introduce yourself, and um, that'd be very much appreciated. Great. Thank you, sir. Um, my name is Tony Blank. I'm a regulatory affairs consultant. I've been in the business since 1987-ish or so. I opened a consulting firm about three years ago. Prior to that, I spent uh, the last 12 years at Boston Scientific, the last four or five years of that as the vice president of regulatory affairs for the cardiovascular businesses. Wonderful. Well, again, we're honored to have you here today. Uh, I don't think there's anyone more qualified to speak to the consumerization of the FDA. Uh, so with that, we'll dive in. As we know, the healthcare industry is ever-changing and the regulatory pathway is not an easy pathway for anyone to walk. So first question, you know, with all of the changes at the FDA recently, what are your thoughts and can you give us a macro view of the current regulatory environment, you know, at a high level? Well, I would begin by saying that I think the FDA has really made some great strides in their encouragement of the development of new substantial technologies, important technologies in the United States. They've really demonstrated an effort and willingness to meet with companies and to not really advise companies, but to sort of shepherd them through the process. The agency's done an, an tremendous job of providing guidance and direction. Certainly, we in industry would like to see more guidance um, to de-risk the process as much as possible. But I would have to say I'm pretty bullish on the way FDA is responding to particularly young entrepreneurial companies that are coming forward with substantial technologies. That's not to say it's easy. Uh, the process can be time-consuming. It can be expensive, but FDA would encourage you and I would encourage you, as I do my clients, to meet early and to meet often with the agency to help get through the process with as little upset as possible, recognizing that scientific development is an inherently risky business. Absolutely, and that's, that's good advice. You know, with the changes taking place, are we moving more toward a PMA-like environment for all devices, why or why not? You know, are the standard and along with that, are the standards for safety and efficacy, are those increasing over time? So with regards to the PMA-like structure, I think it's important to be very clear that the way our current regulatory scheme is set up in the United States, 510Ks are a pathway for class two medical devices. So the navigation amongst the edges, if you will, has to do with really figuring out what is substantial equivalence, which is the regulatory threshold for a 510K. And we've certainly seen that ebb and flow over the years. I think the agency's done a pretty good job of uh, defining what their expectations are for at least existing product categories. It's with the newer product categories that we have to be on the lookout of PMAifying, if you will, or FDA uh, asking for a tremendous amount of data that uh, we wouldn't normally expect to have 
to provide to support the substantial equivalents. But again, I think the FDA has done a pretty good job of communicating regularly with industry on their expectations. They recently released a new guidance, uh, at least in draft form, of their expectations for changes that we might make. Um, with that being said, there's always opportunity to try to refine the process. Uh, you mentioned these newer products categories and how that is um, a topic of discussion with the FDA. How do you handle those submissions? Can you talk to us a little bit about consumer products? So, for example, the mobile apps space and the FDA, and what's your view on where that's headed? Yeah, that's a really interesting thing to watch. Now, I've not been directly involved with apps as medical devices, but at least on the supply side, it's certainly interesting to see the way various manufacturers or authors of apps find themselves in a bit of a regulatory conundrum of how to put these products into the market or putting the products into the market and then finding themselves with a letter from the agency. I think the agency has made it pretty clear that they are taking a risk-based approach, really focusing on apps that function as medical devices and exercising enforcement discretion of not requiring pre-market notifications for apps that really don't present substantial risk to consumers. That's about the extent of what I know about this space. But again, I think the original advice at the top of the discussion here, which is to meet early and meet often uh, with the FDA, if you really do have a question about how your app might be regulated and what the pre-market requirements might be, you know, pick up the phone or, or email the branch chief of the branch at FDA that into which your app would likely fall. And frankly, um, it used to be called DSMICA, D-S-M-I-C-A, or D-S-M-C-A, Division of Small Manufacturers. Um, I don't know what the office, I don't recall at the moment what the office is called now within FDA, but that's also a resource for small manufacturers. Excellent. Very good advice. And on the topic of newer product categories, you know, outside of mobile apps, are there any other new product categories that with which you're very familiar or that potential listeners could classify in a big bucket of something the FDA is having to evaluate in a new light? Well, I think the agency continues to be interested in some of the newer nanotechnologies, as well as different ways in which things like three-dimensional printing or three-dimensional manufacturing is, is finding its way into the medical device technology space. Um, there's some very fascinating and exciting new things happening in those spaces. I saw a demo, I think last year, of a 3D printed matrix for, that was customized for a very specific patient for an implant. And then it was put into a bioreactor and it was seeded with stem cells and new tissue was grown on the matrix. And then the matrix was dissolved and you had a custom built compatible implant. Um, how do you regulate that is a very interesting question that I'm glad I'm on manufacturing side of that question as opposed to on the regulator side because I'm not sure how you go about regulating that to ensure that that process 
produces a product that is appropriate and reproducible all the time. Right, because that does not fit into a 510K pathway, certainly, and PMA pathway not either. So it's, it's how well, you... Yeah, I'm not sure how you yeah. deal with that. It's certainly a combination, some sort of combination product, I imagine. But it's a, it's so those are the exciting new technologies that uh, are exciting intellectually to explore. Uh, unfortunately, intellectual exploration in the regulatory space means time and it means money and less predictability. Absolutely. So you know, with that in mind. What changes do you see to improve the pace of innovation? In other words, if you could give the uh, deputy commissioner of the FDA, uh, what advice or what words would you give him directly and, and what would you say? I think a couple of things come to mind. First, I would encourage him to try to figure out how to retain some of the very talented long-term staff that have been at FDA that are leaving. Uh, we've seen some uh, at the center level, we've seen some departures, which are understandable, people moving on to other jobs, but these are very talented individuals that we have seen leave the agency. Uh, I would encourage him to continue to invest and ramp up the investment in getting their staff trained and onboarded. I've had several clients that have had some difficulties in the process that could be squarely tied, in my opinion, tied back to inadequate understanding or training of uh, FDA staff. Um, and finally, I would encourage them to continue to invest in the initiatives that they have outlined, their strategic initiatives. In particular, looking for ways for existing product categories uh, of combining pre-market and post-market data as a way to shorten the cycle to getting a, a new product approved. If I'm coming out with another intraocular lens, for example, um, maybe I don't need to, maybe I shouldn't have to produce the same quantity of pre-market clinical study information on yet another IOL. Maybe it's a combination of a smaller amount of pre-market clinical data and post-market data. Um, and I would encourage, and, and that's something the agency is actively looking at in their strategic initiatives uh, to find that right combination or right balance of pre and post market data. I would also encourage the agency to continue to look at the newer technologies and ways to, to understand those new technologies and work with the innovators, continue to work with the innovators. Um, They've really demonstrated a willingness to do that. It's an exciting time for them. It's an exciting time for us. Uh, and then finally, to focus on alternative ways to study devices and characterize devices. We've seen great strides in the use of numerical modeling to predict the behavior of devices. Uh, I've seen this in particular, for, in my case, in the case of uh, Tabby products. And I'm sure the numerical modeling was not around when they established the PMA and 510K pathways. No. So it, it would be excellent and a number of company, a large number of companies could benefit from the advancement Indeed. in the pathways. Indeed. And, and I think one other thing I would add is continuing to scientifically invest in alternative uh, statistical methodologies, um, particularly in the clinical study realm. So, 
FDA had, for a time at least, was embracing some of the newer clinical study methodologies, Bayesian and adaptive clinical study designs and so forth. Um, there are certainly challenges with those and risks that uh, the sponsor takes on when they pursue some of these more aggressive statistical methodologies, but um, they, they exist and I think they should continue to uh, look at those as alternate, reasonable alternate pathways to the standard randomized controlled one-to-one clinical study. Wonderful. Well, hearing your positivity and, and um, on, on the outlook for the way the FDA is moving and the way they're adapting to the changing technologies and new innovations in the space is, is uh, encouraging, as I'm sure it is for many listeners that are the innovators and the entrepreneurs, whether it's medical devices, pharmaceuticals, whatever it may be. So that's fantastic. Um, this has been extremely helpful. Just to kind of wrap it up, you know, how do you as a consultant help entrepreneurs? And are there any other final topics you would like to touch on that, that I may not have asked about? Sure. So as far as helping entrepreneurs, you know, particularly during the early development phase, the typical question is, how do we get to the next phase? Uh, whatever that next phase might be. And one of the first questions I ask in response to that is, well, what is your overall strategy as a business? Because if you're trying to build a market, um, the regulatory strategy to support that effort of building a market is different than a, than a regulatory strategy to support a business effort of trying to get human clinical data as quickly as possible or trying to get an approval somewhere as quickly as possible. So I would ask that on behalf of everybody who does what I do, um, if you engage a regulatory consultant, be very honest and forthright about what you're trying to achieve as a business. That way there is a greater likelihood that we as a consultant will be able to give you a regulatory strategy that is most aligned with what you're trying to achieve. And then finally, I, I would go back to what I said before with regards to the FDA. Meet early and meet often. It's an exciting time to be an entrepreneur in this space. FDA is very interested in helping companies such as yours bring these exciting, substantial new technologies into the marketplace and preferably into the marketplace into the United States first. Well, that's fantastic advice. Tony, again, you have been extremely uh, value-added beneficial both to us as well as our portfolio company. So thank you so much for that over the years. And thank you for the time today and uh, the discussion with PTV Podcasts. And uh, we really appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a good day. Thank you. You too.